and welcome to another episode of the CFAL Talks Economic Podcast. My name is Pamela Ferguson, Vice President of Investments at CFAL, and I will be hosting this episode titled A Reflection on 2020 and a Look at the Year Ahead. I'm joined in studio with our expert panel, President and Founder of CFAL, Anthony Ferguson, Michelle White, Investment Manager, and Angelo Butler, Senior Analyst. So let's get right into it. A reflection on 2020 and a look at the year ahead. As I mentioned, we have in our company, Mr. Anthony Ferguson, president and founder of CFAL. Mr. Ferguson has been a leading voice in our country over the many years on economic and financial issues. Is it okay for us to call you Anthony, Mr. Sure, Ferguson? sure. We do it all the time. So. Great. <laughs> so I want to take this opportunity Anthony, to get your reflection on the Bahamian economy over the past 12 to 18 months, capturing the twin economic event of COVID and Dorian, and to get your idea on the key lessons learned and your thoughts on the long-term prospects for the Bahamian economy. Well, uh, thank you very much for inviting me to be on this uh, second CFAL podcast, but my first invitation. Um, it's a pleasure to discuss economic matters of significance and important uh, for our clients. Um, reflection on the Bahamian economy over the last 12 to 18 months. Um, as you all are aware, um, our first hit was Dorian, followed closely behind uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic. As you know, when Dorian hit the Bahamas, we essentially lost about <clears throat> 20 plus percent of our GDP with um, Abaco losing about 15% and Grand Bahama 7 8%. So it was actually a little over 20%. And that had a significant negative impact on government uh, revenues as well as um, government um, expenditure as government had to support uh, a number of businesses and, of course, the people in Abaco and Grand Bahama. Now, this was followed up very quickly with COVID-19 again, which... Um, we estimated uh, impacted our economy by about uh, negative uh, 15 to 20 percent in uh, 2020. And as such, um, our government uh, revenues declined substantially. And of course, on the reverse side, our debt went up substantially to the tune now where I believe our debt is close to 10 billion. Certainly will be 10 billion uh, by the end of uh, 2021. Uh, the implications here are the economy um, prior to both Dorian and COVID, our economy was slowing so and has not really um, had any significant growth over the last five, six years. And so um, in addition to having these two major uh, events that impact our financial position, our economy was really struggling before this. And so it, it made a bad situation worse. And so... I think the lessons to be learned from this is that uh, we really need to develop a long-term strategy, and everyone talks about this long-term strategy for the Bahamas, but we really need to put in place a strategy that both government and opposition work in tandem such that um, not when one come in and they just change everything, because the, 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 the problem is, as I see it, um, we change stream 
in the last many years, every five years, in terms of what are the priorities of each government, and as such, that impacts the capital expenditure. It's very difficult for businesses to plan, and of course, because of this, uh, we get no traction because we're not really building for the future, in in my opinion. And so, um, longer term, I think we need to do a better job of planning. Um, the national development plan that was developed, perhaps um, they should look at this and, and see what they can pull out of it. And of course, um, I think the Economic Recovery Committee made some recommendation, but I am not aware of uh, any implementation of any of those recommendations. So that's my you know, few thoughts on the Bahamian economy. Michelle, what are the biggest economic issues that you see happened in 2020? Um, I would definitely say COVID-19. Um, you also have, and that caused a catalyst for higher unemployment um, and slower economic growth. But I think that, in my opinion, um, economic growth and unemployment have been an issue for the Bahamas for many years. Um, simply put, as a developing nation, we're not simply not growing fast enough to, quote-unquote, develop. Um, so we won't have any um, long-term sustainable development. We've had lackluster growth rates, and because of this lackluster growth, unemployment has continually gone up. And then we had Hurricane Dorian, then we had um, the COVID-19 pandemic. And that that has um, exacerbated what was already a difficult economic position. And I think um, one side of it too that we've seen in 2020 is the impact on persons' um, mental health um, from the aspect of confidence. And you know, I read an interesting article the other day where um, they said that persons who are about 30 years old now, you know, have gone through two recessions or crises. Um, since, you know, graduating high school. And, you know, those persons are increasingly becoming concerned about the future, um, you know, their decision-making in terms of planning families and, you know, having the confidence to go out there and purchase homes, um, vehicles, have children, you know, population growth is important for economic growth. And so I think, um, you know, that side of it is is taking a pretty um, significant hit. Persons are also not used to being locked inside, their homes for these extended periods and so you know I think it's just taking a mental toll and it'll be interesting to see how you know what mental state persons come out of this with whether they have the confidence to cause these economies to recover and rebound the way you know everyone is projecting so I think that's you know one major issue we saw in 2020. Yeah so did any of you see 2020 coming and what were we talking about at the end of December 2019 uh, the beginning of 2020? No, I definitely didn't see 2020 coming. Um, I think that we were all blindsided by it. Um, you saw, like, at the beginning of the year, you heard this news, um, you have this virus in China, and then by late March, early April, it was here. And then our life, as we knew it, had had changed. Um, so I think that... At the end of um, 2019, going into 2020, you know, you were looking forward to the continued um, redevelopment of Abaco and Grand Bahama and hoping that that would um, run along smoothly. And then also um, 2019, we had like record tourism numbers. So you were thinking, oh, 2020, this is going to be it. The year we're just going to knock it out of the park. And then all of a sudden, everything just came completely to a halt. 
I also think at the beginning of 2019, there was a focus on, you know, government transparency, on whether the government's fiscal consolidation measures were bearing fruit and, you know, whether they all, there also was the increase in the value added tax rate that was, um, you know, a lot of persons were feeling. And so those type of issues we were concerned about. Of course, Abaco and Dorian happened. And, but, you know, we had the comfort that Nassau was still okay. And so Nassau would be able to kind of hold us up until then. But like Michelle said, we went from record tourism to no tourism. And so, you know, the entire archipelago was pretty much um, shut down. And I don't think anyone in their lifetime would have ever projected something of that nature. Yeah, I mean, I, I will add to what um, both um, Angelo and Lachelle said. I think at the end of 2019, 2020, um, the one thing, though, we were not expecting was robust growth just because of the 20-plus percent drop in our GDP because of Abaco and um, and um, Grand Bahama. And, and we were... Uh, concern about you know debt management and and what the government will do to grow um, the economy you know bearing in mind that twenty percent of your GDP was pretty much wiped out and so um, again like everyone said uh, it was a shock but this is why you have to plan for these um, unforeseen um, circumstances um, we live in a archipelago in a hurricane zone. And you know we're only one disaster away from from economic disaster, and so um, um, as such, I believe it's incumbent upon ourselves or our, the government, uh, the regulators, to ensure that we manage our affairs such that when these um, to be expected um, shocks hit our economy, we could withstand it for, for some time. And, and even in your personal life, we like to tell our clients that they should seek to have between three and six months worth of um, uh, savings so that they can um, uh, manage themselves uh, should you know they lose their job or there's a, a illness or something. And I think um, practically uh, as a country, we need to, to start thinking and, and doing the same thing. So we didn't plan, we didn't see 2020 coming, and it was obviously a very difficult year for many, particularly um, our country and the fall in tourism. So what are the major themes for 2021? I think the, the driving theme, of course, will be um, the vaccination. Um, you know, it, it's right now seemingly the silver bullet that everyone's um, depending on for you know, recovery and some return to normalcy. And I agree in the sense that, you know, I don't think there will be any full normalcy until the virus goes away as it relates to, you know, work travel resuming, um, conferences, persons in stadiums, you know, mass tourism and so forth. Um, now, I'm an avid reader of comments on social media. So I think one challenge is will be the acceptance or willingness of persons to you know, take the vaccine. There's a lot of skepticism, and rightfully so. Um, the vaccine was um, produced in record time, but, you know, it, it, it will be on the governments to kind of educate and prove that the vaccine is safe to get um, more adoption of it. Fortunately, I saw an article this morning that said, you know, although there's been a lot of resistance um, to vaccinations, particularly in the U.S., they're now dealing with an issue where demand exceeds supply. So I think that's one positive um, going forward, and I think that will be the driving theme of 2021. 
Yeah, I I agree. Um, I'm one of those people that are skeptical uh, about the vaccine. I mean, but because it's been done in such record time. But I think that um, if you can get enough persons vaccinated, you need to get people more comfortable with traveling, especially for the Bahamas, where we rely so much on tourism. And like Angelo said, um, you know, I was not seeing people doing as many conferences. People aren't moving about um, as they used to before. So I do think that the um, the vaccine um, is definitely a game changer. And we may, if, if enough persons buy into it, or if enough persons get it, then we may see um, tourism not return to the levels we saw in 2019, but slowly recover. And, and by, by extension, our economy may start to, you know, um, recover and start to grow a little. But it, it, will, take a, it will take a while. Okay, well, I mean, I think in addition to what my colleagues just said, um, austerity will continue to be the mantra. Um, I think companies in 2020 kept staff on. I think in 2021, a number of companies would look at their financial position and decide to um, um, reduce their staff, not furlough. And I think you've seen in the press recently where some companies, um, you know, has started that process. So um, I think you're going to see a major tax increase by the government in uh, the next budget cycle. Uh, they really have no choice in the matter. Um, what I would, you know, caution the government, however, is that the tax should be targeted uh, with priority programs such that we, the people, can see where our monies are going and that it has the impact of helping um, um, those who are less fortunate and not overburdening um, the companies that uh, will have to pay this so that they don't think about you know downsizing um, even, even further. With respect to tourism, I, I really don't expect us to be up to 30, 40% until probably um, the end of the year. Um, the vaccine, I think one way to get the vaccine, Bahamian is interested in taking the vaccine, is make it mandatory to go to Miami. Um, you have to have a vaccine, and trust me, everyone will take the vaccine. So, um, you know, the government leadership said they are going to take it. I think there is skepticism, and, you know, rightfully so. I'm not a scientist. I, I have no um, understanding in that space. But um, I think me personally, I would probably take the vaccine. Um, um, I just think, um, you know. We have to prepare for the future. And I think to your point of, of um, the tax, I think one challenge for the government will be how do you sell it? You know, with the value added tax, it was sold as this tax that was being created to pay down the debt, right? Now, any tax we bring in now will only be to kind of reduce the deficit. So once again, you're going back to to the well, um, but you're not... You, it's, it, it would be impossible to close the deficit in this environment and actually pay down the debt. So I think, you know, that trust in inside the government is possibly going to erode even further. Yeah. But I mean, if on that note, right? Um, I think one mistake. I mean, I understand the social, the you know, having a heart and soul position with not reducing person salaries in government, but I mean, at the end of the day, private companies had to make some tough decisions. So for instance, as an example, and I'm just choosing this, uh, not out of any malice, but Bahamas, they had no flights. But you know, when you think about it, those persons could not do anything sitting in the, from home. 
but yet we continue to pay their full salary. So, you know, I, 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 I believe the government should have considered seriously reducing salaries by 10, 15%, so that we all in this together and, 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 and then apply that to the persons who lost their jobs completely. As you said, um, you know, the, the thing about tax is that once the government get their hands on that, they will continue to tax. And so, um, you know, when value added was initially contemplated, it was also contemplated that we were gonna get away with custom duty. But of course, we continue to have custom duty. We continue to have value added tax. We've increased it. I wouldn't be surprised if the government doesn't increase it even further. Um, but um, I believe all taxes are on the table. I think you can see corporate tax. I think you can see personal income tax. And so I don't think behemoths have a problem paying tax. I think the problem is they have a problem paying taxes that are going into what we will call a black hole. And we're not seeing um, and the country develop and seeing where our taxes are going. Agreed. Because if you look at, at the collection of taxes, every time we increase tax, we borrowed more. So revenue is not our problem. Trying to get more revenue via taxes, although tax taxes are important uh, overall for the government functioning, but that's not our problem. I think our problem is the, the wasteful spending and the mismanagement of the resources that we collect. And like you mentioned, Bahamians wouldn't have a problem paying taxes if the taxes were used to better their lives. So I think the problem that we constantly have is the mismanagement and the, the wasteful spending of tax dollars that does not yield economic growth to help us down the road. I agree. I think that we don't understand, well, our policymakers don't understand the concept of productive expenditures. Mm -hmm. So I see now that they want to cut capital spending, but like Mr. Ferguson said, they didn't cut any salaries um, during the pandemic, even though there was no work being done, like, um, for example, at Bahamas Air. So I, I think that we just have to get to a point where we understand how to properly um, manage our um, economic affairs. Yeah. I, I would say the one, the one good thing out of this, if anything, in 2021 and beyond is we will uh, see faster um, modernization of our payment system, working from home, um, where we have a lost productivity uh, with you know persons picking up kids every day. I think one estimate is that we we lose a couple hundred million dollars a year from just um, school pickup. So I would say say that going forward, you'll probably see increased productivity. You'd see more work from home, which should you know for your millennials who talk like to talk about work life balance, you know, probably improve on that. Um, but um, 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 I think the modernization of government and private sector with respect to technology, um, that's going to be a, a significant improvement, hopefully going forward. Yeah. So a lot of people are uh, depending on the vaccine to really push recovery across the world in terms of, of economic growth. So what does our recovery in the Bahamas hinges on? That's a that's a tough one. I mean, we have our economy is um, just basically based on tourism, and that's basically just all gone away. So I think um, well, we can't just sit there and say, oh, we have to wait for the tourists to come back and then the economy will recover. I think that we have to um, look at other industries. Um, I was um, saw an article in the paper. Um, this morning where the Minister of Agriculture was talking about how we could reduce our food import bill by $200 million um, by growing our own food. 
I just think that um, we have, you also have a lot of people um, in the news talking about um, the, um, the oil um, exploration going on that's sort of like divided our society. But I think that we just have to um, look for new industries and um, we have to make policies in place so that it's easy for people to engage in new industries. Um, the cost of doing business in the Bahamas is very high and it's also very difficult um, to start a new business. So I think it all just goes to government policy in opening up the economy for Bahamians to allow Bahamians more participation in the economy. And you would note that um, most economies are driven um, by consumption and you know the bulk of our consumption comes from, at the end of the day, tourism filtering through um, other sectors of the economy. So I think we for one, this is an export-driven economy, so it will, at the end of the day, continue to be um, an export-driven recovery. Um, like Rochelle said, however, you know, in terms of food, we don't necessarily have to export food, but if we can reduce how much food we import, you know, it has the same um, net effect on the economy. So I think the food, like she said, um, possibly we should look into a bit more forestry, um, I always wonder, you know, why don't we grow grass? You know, all of this vacant land we have, it's, in my opinion, hurricane proof. Um, you know, why don't we, you know, why are we importing grass when we have all of this land just sitting vacant and, and so forth? So I think it's um, stuff of that nature that will have to be done until, like we said, in one or two years when the tourism begins to come back. I mean, the, the challenge though, right, and it continues to be, our number, well, our, yeah, our number one impediment to growing this economy or diversifying it away from tourism is our energy. We have tried year after year, and we have failed year after year, and the cost of energy continues to be um, very high. If we can get our energy costs down by 30, 40%, um, the sustainable impact to our GDP is around one to one and a quarter percent. That is significant, bearing in mind that for the last 10 years, our average GDP was in, uh, less than the, uh, one, one and a quarter percent. So um, I think we need to address energy reform with, um, with uh, urgency. Um, the other challenge is um, our healthcare system and COVID-19 clearly points out that um, you need private insurance if you want to have a longer life um, um, from what, you know, the stories I've heard. Um, and so, you know, people don't have insurance, so they can't get health care. And the health of a nation is the wealth of a nation. And so, um, again, we need to find ways to reduce our dependency on um, 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 services out of Florida and the U.S. for health care, but also um, it encourages our um, Bahamians to live more healthy lifestyle. And then finally, I think... Um, um, you know, tourism is always going to be with us. And so what we need to do, however, is we need to take this opportunity to encourage the Bahamas to be a sustainable, eco-friendly, touristic, heritage, cultural uh, um, destination. Um, we have always focused on the sun and the sea, but we've never in recent years focus on our culture and our heritage and we have not have um, created any linkages between agriculture and fisheries supplying the hotels etc and so I think um, 
the next administration has to do a better job of linking all of these things so that we can um, have um, um, better traction with respect to uh, employment and growing our economy. And to add to that, you mentioned energy, which is very important, and um, also other infrastructural uh, development, which include tech, transportation and telecommunications. We don't need, we always say we're not Capelgon, so it's very expensive. We do not need an airport on every island. We need to uh, develop our seaports so that people can travel between islands reliably and affordably. And also telecommunications, you know, we are thrust into this remote learning and that require access to, to, to technology as well as telecommunications so that we can do this remote learning properly. And so we really need to improve our infrastructure in those areas. So I don't think this is a time to be cutting back on capital expenditure, but to be leveling up in those areas that can generate, uh, that are productive and that can generate revenues down the road. Well, I mean, like the government indicated, or PM indicated that they were going to have more public-private partnership. Right now, we spend about 150, close to 200 million on government subvention to these um, various corporations that, in the big scheme of things, does not add any serious uh, impact on our Bahamian lives. And so um, they have to address those um, expenditures and try to reduce them by at least 50% over the next year and eventually, over a three- to five-year period, phase them out completely. So thank you, Lachelle, Anthony, and Angelo. That brings us to part, the end of part one of our economic podcast. It was really a pleasure and it was a wonderful discussion. Um, thank you, audience, for listening. Uh, we at CFAL trust you are keeping safe and adhering to all of the COVID-19 safety protocols. Please do subscribe to the CFAL Talks podcast on Google or Apple for more thought-provoking and educational discussion on the Bohemian economy.